Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, your premier North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby, one fan at a time. And welcome back, rugby fans. It's another episode of the Rugby Rant, episode 164. 164. Dude, this is that we're getting closer to that uh, next milestone of 175. I mean, we will hit it this season, and I'm excited. We've got a great season of rugby ahead, Scott. Dude, I'm super excited. MLR starting. You had the Vancouver Sevens was exciting. Yeah, you have all these all this stuff happening internationally. You have Six Nations, so I get to crack a Guinness at 7 a.m. on a Monday. <laughs> Not call myself an alcoholic. <laughs> Um, but seriously, it's, it's really, you're, no, no, really you're, you're not an alcoholic. You're a rugby holic. That's, that's what exactly. it, you, you just got to reframe the issue, my man. Reframe. Exactly. The issue. You know, I'm, I'm hot off a of college football national championship and, and I'm going, and you right still haven't declared it yourself a, a fan of any particular team, by the way. Well, I think that might show up this episode. At least that's what I promised our girls, Sue Parks. Okay. Um, and, and your son called me a, a tease. Um, so shout out to Preston. That's uh, probably yeah. the first time you've ever been called that. <laughs> not really. Not really. No. Um, but <laughs> but seriously, um, it's you're right. We're coming up to a great MLR season. We start, we kicked off, you know, a new year with Six Nations rugby, and we have Division Two rugby, we have the European Cup playing. I mean, I know this is a this is a North American rugby show, but let's be honest, you know, we watch as much rugby as we can. But right. before we uh before we get into all that, let's get into around the pitch. When we pick up the ball, we also pick up a legacy. A legacy that stretches beyond your current team. A legacy built on the backs of those who came before you with hard work. And for those who will come after you, we promise it won't be easy. But we'll be there, supporting you on and off the field. Rob, take it away for the first around the pitch uh, topic there. Oh, the first around the pitch topic. Yes, 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 yes. Well, while we are talking about international rugby folks, just hot off the presses, as of recording today, or maybe it was the day before, um, the USA and Canada and several other nations in the Pacific Rim area announced a schedule for the test window coming up this summer. And so you have the Women's Pacific Four Series. And let me just describe what that involves. There's uh, a total of six fixtures starting on Saturday, April 27th, featuring USA versus Canada. And then Saturday, um, that would be May 11th, New Zealand versus United States, Australia versus Canada. Then the 17th is Australia versus United States. The 19th of May is New Zealand versus Canada. And the 25th of May is New Zealand versus Australia, which is pretty cool. So lots of women's rugby. And let's let's just say this, and the women's side of things, we can't say that our women won't have an opportunity to really cut their teeth against some of the best rugby in the world because it's USA and, and New Zealand and uh, Canada and Australia are, are all our foes. So it's going to be a good one. Then on the men's side of things, you've got the Pacific Nations Cup and you've got three weeks 
of international test rugby. So on week one, again, just after the, the MLR season, uh, starting August 23rd through 25th, you got Fiji, Fiji and Samoa, Canada versus Japan in Vancouver. Uh, week two, the August 30th and 31st, you have uh, Samoa versus Tonga. And in LA, you've got US versus Canada. So we're going to get some great rugby. Fiji and New Zealand are coming in August. And then, of course, LA uh, is going to host USA and Canada. And then finally, week three, September 6th and 7th, Tonga versus Fiji and USA is traveling to Japan. So there's some really good rugby ahead on both the men's and women's side, the international window. We're going to be bookended to, well, we're going to get the women's in the middle of the MLR season. And then we're going to, the back end, we're going to get the men's. It should be exciting. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, it was a great international schedule. We're getting, you know, uh, that that late April for the women, you know, is, is kind of, I would say, you know, a dead period for other internationals, right? Um, so it's a good place to have that. And then the men's, obviously, coming off of the MLR, and me and Rob were kind of talking about, you know, what what our, our what we're going to chime in. We're going to send Scott Moore some emails about how we think he should set up right. the current uh, the, 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 the the camp schedule. Uh, based I'll shoot him a text when we're done. Yeah, you know, because we're definitely part of that crew. The brain trust is... It's- of from a general, you know, considering he's the general manager and the head coach, he needs yeah. some help, and obviously we're the help because we're the saviors of right. USA Rugby. But uh, it's my turn with my uh, with my with my first topic. So my first topic is actually talking about Vancouver Sevens, and shout out to Cat uh, Roach and Cisco Lopez, um, part of the All American Referee Crew that did the Cup Final and the Bronze Final um, for for Vancouver Sevens. Um, you know, it's great to see referees uh from our country um you know being represented and and working not only you know the sidelines but working the centers and and really honing their craft on an international level like this um it's a good start this is what we like to see and you know as as we're going into the mlr season we always you know want to see those referees transitioning from the mlr to different levels of rugby just like we like to see the players do so it was good to see that, and we'll see what happens in L.A. with L.A. 7. I have a feeling it might happen again. Yeah, that'd be really cool. By the way, I mean, for me, the word is legitimacy on that one, right? I mean, for years and years, uh, rugby playing, predominant, dominant rugby playing nations, uh, you know, U.K., England, Scotland, Wales, uh, New Zealand, Australia, France, kind of turn a nose up at the United States like we were second class. And I think a big step by is being taken by our officials being recognized at the highest of levels uh, on the international stage certainly gives USA Rugby uh, more legitimacy in the world standing. So uh, kudos to all of you. I sent my congratulatory to message to to Kat uh, for being in that final. Way to go, uh, girl. We, we love to see it. You're awesome. We love the work that you do. I'm going to hit my next around the pitch. And this one is interesting. Uh, folks, I had the opportunity just today as of the recording Tuesday to actually get together on on the production end with some of the folks from the MLR, some of our production crew, and none other than David Wilkinson, who is now the head of referees. He is uh, from Ireland. And um, I wanted to bring some knowledge uh, to the show here on this one. Um, Just so you guys know, they were really working hard behind the scenes, the MLR officials and the league itself, to not, I wouldn't want to say improve the standard, but to keep the standard evolving with officials. And uh, the MLR officials met for two and a half days in 
uh, Florida to review and discuss uh, some of the finer points of what they wanted to see happen this season. And they met with coaches as well. So they got input from coaches on this end. And what was interesting is there was kind of a theme. They wanted attacking rugby and they wanted a fair contest. That was one of the buzzwords, so to speak. And um, I had a lot of takeaways from this. Um, but, you know, again, this was a collaboration with coaches. Um, but um, they had analyzed some scenarios from the final um, that were kind of interesting. They brought in some video from some of the internationals going on in the Six Nations. And they all used them to educate us, to educate one another on what's going on. Um, so one of the big things I want to address is TMO. And the theme of the day pretty much was they will emphasize that the TMO will only come in and say something to the official when there's clearly an infringement, right? So unlike what happened in the Scotland, I think it was a Scotland-England uh, game, if I'm not mistaken, um, or the Scotland-France game, one of the two. Oh, Scotland-France game. There was a grounding that the official saw, wanted to call. Uh, the, the crew came on and said no, was no grounding, but it wasn't clear. So they're trying to avoid some of those areas in which the TMO is is kind of – a, slowing the game down, and B, influencing the game. They wanted to put it more in the hands of the head official and with their help, the ARs. So I think we're going to see um, some pretty good improvements in that regard. They're going to really focus more on the on-field officials. They're going to try to reduce the TMO um, interventions in the game. And I think as fans, not only in stadium, also watching at home, I think, and fans of teams, we're going to be able to appreciate this. And and again, there's a lot of this feedback is coming from the coaches. That's good. I mean, again, it's good to see productive um, feedback coming from the coaches. It's good, it, good to see a guy who is running the referees, um, you know, be open to, I wouldn't say, again, it's not criticism, but being open to a dialogue of what the coaches saw last year and what they're looking for. Um, you know, and it's one of those things like, you know, I think consistency is something they're always striving for, but it's also one of those things that unfortunately is referee by referee. And this isn't a knock on anybody, but I, I always felt like, you know, Scott Green was very strict on his offsides, you know, calls. And you could see a few teams, it would take a little while in match to, to realize, Hey, I need to take a, a half a step farther back than what what was going on in practice and what, you know, just to shout out, you know, MLR fans, what used to happen last year, where we're, we're going to find out if it was happening this year is they would have regional referees that would um, referee during practices at specific MLR teams. So, you know, you're working with an official who's calling it a certain way, then you're going out to a game and they're calling it a different way and you have to adjust. I mean, that's just, that's the sport, but you know, I think, that, I think, um, you know, there's still overall consistency issues since day one, of refereeing and we just need to clear those up. So just uh, two, two points that I neglected to address. One of them is player sanctioning. There's a clear kind of flow chart of how they want officials to handle it. And that's something that they really drilled into their heads over that two and a half days. Um, and I think this came, this part came from coaches, clear, concise, firm communication, right? So I think players and 
players and coaches can live with, you know, that human error that can happen as long as the officials are clearly communicating, Scott, and to your point, that that's one of the things that, you know, you agree with his decision or not. Scott Green was a great and great communicator with the with the boys on the field. Right. Yeah, I mean, he would – the offsides, you know, New York would always have an issue with his offsides calls because they were in an offsides position and they couldn't adjust. And he would tell them, we got to take a half a step back or I'm going to call the offsides. And he'd call them out on it to, to say that. So, again, it's not knocking him for calling. No, 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 no. That's the call on the field. But – and and this will kind of go into something I, I, I want to talk about later on, uh, maybe in, in a couple weeks down the line. But anyway, so we're going to move on to my second topic – um, we're talking about our boys over in Colorado, the Raptors. Unfortunately, uh, they dropped both of their matches in weeks one and two uh, this past week, playing the Pampas, um, you know, in Buenos Aires, uh, losing uh, 52 to 17. I got to be honest, you know, the Pampas looked great. They had the bonus points till at halftime, and the Raptors really got punched in the mouth in the first half, um, you know, finally scoring um, their, their first points in a try in the 40th minute right before half. Uh, coming and scoring another try with 60 minutes and really only getting one penalty conversion. It's, it was, it was a tough match. Um, honestly, I, I'm pretty sure uh, we had a couple injuries. I believe Mike Grandy, uh, one of the locks, Mike Grandy went out early in like the 10th minute. And as we know, it's, it's already, it's, it's tough to have a lock get knocked out early on. And then you're kind of scrambling. Cause you know, a lot of locks don't play 80 minutes. They're like a prop, you know, usually you're, you're kind of siphoning, cycling some of them out or at least one of them out because they play, they do play a lot of minutes through the, the course of the season. So if you lose one off the bat, 10 minutes into you know, week two, it's rough. Um, my boy, Patrick Madden was, uh, was the uh, fly half for the, for the match. Um, he did pretty good. Uh, Iona product uh, Watson for the Katanga playing over on, uh, on, on as one of the centers, Shout out to Iona, my boys. Um, but a couple replacements came on. Um, you know, again, it's it's, it's tough. But uh, they're going into week three in uh, Pinarol. Uh, they're playing Pinarol on uh, March 1st in Montevideo. All these have been on YouTube. So, guys, you know, we talked about the Raptors um, in a couple episodes ago, and, and we talked about um, engagement and, and ease of watching them. Well, because all of the Southern South American teams have – their stuff on YouTube. You can now watch them on YouTube. So go check out that YouTube link so we can watch the Ra- Raptors in week three and let's see if we can get it going, fellas. So, I mean, that, that kind of wraps up our round of pitch. Um, but I think Rob Rob had a special announcement. I mean, we've been doing this now for, what, three years, Rob, this competition, this be, little competition we yeah, have? Yeah, this will be three years. So for those that don't know, we you can jump on Superbrew, S-U-P-E-R-B-R-U.com. You can look up um, the Major League Rugby uh, Superbrew Contest. Just type in Rugby Rant Podcast, and we will come up, send me a request, and I will accept it. Um, I've got a bunch of people that have, have just recently joined to keep this alive and interesting. But the most important thing, use code NOSEAFAR, N-O-S-E-A-F-A-R, NOSEAFAR, all one word. That's the code to get you in. Basically, even if you miss the first week, every week there's a winner, $25 gift card, courtesy 
of Rugby Now who, sh- who power shop MLR, you can get yourself a gift card to buy that sweet gear of your favorite team. And of course, those of you guys who are committed to a full season of 18 weeks and you stay in the hunt, stay near the top of the board, you can win yourself a grand prize of $150 gift card. That's a jersey and another nice trinket to go along with it at the very least. Uh, the individual who gets second will get a second prize of $100 gift card and the third place winner even gets a little something, something, and that is a $50 gift card. So jump on in. As I said, you don't need, you know, even if you miss out on the first week, no worries. You can still get some weekly winnings and put that towards some sweet merch, uh, courtesy of rugby. Now who power shop MLR and, uh, have fun, man, getting some banter. And you can go against myself, Scott, the Rugby Rant uh, podcast team, and, of course, the Rugby Now team who's entered in uh, this contest in two. Uh, so all for some bragging rights and a little bit of fun. And, oh, yeah, some sweet prizes to go along with it. That's great. I mean, this is something that we look forward to every year, even though we're not eligible for those sweet prizes. Um, we like going against the fans. We like to see where our ranking is. My ranking was a little shoddy last year um but prior to that i was you know top five for three years before that so you know hopefully i'll get back on top rob uh i think you will you you're always uh real good at this i'm freaking awful uh but (laughs) fortunately uh my my child does a nice job himself so he's usually right there in the top 10 in the hunt so and, and he always wins a week or two there so hopefully he'll pick up the slack for his dodgy and poor old man (laughs) absolutely and, you know, you, you said something, you said favorite team. Now, you know, Rugby New York will always be my heart, but the time has come to pick my fandom for 2024. That's not to say I might not change my fandom in 2025, but 2024, I finally, you know, and, and I, I put out a, a, a nice little um, post, unfortunately, when, when Rugby New York went away, and I, I, you know, a lot of prayer, a lot of thoughtful consideration, a lot of merch from a bunch of different teams. So what I'm going to tell you is right now, who came in second? So shout out to RFCLA. They came in second in in, in my team search. Um, I got, you know, three good friends over there in uh, Jason Emery, Andrew Coe, and Dan Hollinshead, you know, all all iron workers. Um, you know, Hollinshead, a rooster, too. Um, you know, so, so really I, I was looking at uh, RFCLA, I think they're going to have a competitive team. I think they're going to show up in that Western conference. And I have, you know, a bunch of friends there, <clears throat> but it really came down to in my heart. I'm an East coast guy. You know, I'm, I'm a Rangers guy, right? I'm a Mets guy. You know, I'm a Knicks guy. You know, I'm, I'm East coast. I'm a, I'm a New York iron workers guy. You're a Wolverine 20, guy and a Packer yeah. guy, but that's yeah, in the Jim, Midwest, Scott. Actually, the actually technically per the song, Michigan's are champions of the West, which you know, <laughs> fighting on to LA. They play in the Rose Bowl just about every year. Come on, dude. But with that being said, um, this year, twenty twenty four, the big guy will be a fan of the Chicago Hounds. And look at that! I'm taking my talents to Chicago with the hammer. There you go. Uh, my buddy Dylan Fawcett and all the, all the good guys we know over there, Mark O'Keefe, you know, and uh, I'm really excited, guys. Really excited to be over there. 
Well, little do you know, Scott, when I saw him last week, he basically threatened me that if you didn't switch to the hounds, that um, uh, the the butcher would come back to New York and stuff you in a trunk and dump you in the Easter River. So, so hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll 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 have a great season this year as the, as hounds fans. I've joined the kennel club. Shout out to those people there, and uh, we're going to work to try and do some stuff uh, with the kennel club and and get going and. Maybe I'll do some shows like I was doing with New York. Maybe we'll have some uh, pregame shows uh, while Hammer is uh, is off doing his thing as the stadium announcer at SeatGeek Arena. Uh, we'll go from there. So, yeah, listen, I really, I really did take a long time. You know, New England was never on the fucking table. But I really did take a long time. <laughs> You'd have been dead to me if that would have happened. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't. You know, Caleb Geiger went there. I can't even speak his his name. <laughs> um, you know it's one of those things like you know i i, I the things i could say now i'm joking he was a really good dude um but not, not joking around it really it was tough for me to decide and again i kind of you know rob has has courted me over to chicago i was there last year even though i was an enemy amongst them uh last year they they really treated me well and and got to see a bunch of friends there you know shout out to james english and, and newman and all those guys working behind the scenes to make sure that's a good product. Um, you know, game T all those guys that were out there, we got to hang out with. So, um, again, went with the East coast and I'm, I'm a Chicago hounds fan, baby. So, um, yeah, I know everybody's, everybody's, I'm sure everybody's surprised, but, uh, so (laughs) speaking of the Chicago hounds, our, our rant this week is actually going to be about week one of the MLR. We're going to talk about the schedule. We're going to talk about, timing we're going to talk about who's playing who all that right after a word from our sponsors And we're back, rugby rant fans. We're 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 talking about the our rant of the week here. Um, we're talking about the week one MLR schedule. Week one is upon us now. Let me just go through. Hey, hold, on, eight. hold on, hold on. Oh, okay. Do you know how fucking excited I am for this week? Do you understand how excited, how excited I am this week? How excited I am! I am chuffed at, with excitement. I am so pumped for this week. Not only is it week one, but fans, I got to tell you, I got to, I got to puff myself up here i am going down to new orleans and i'm actually going to be a stand-in fill-in for uh jeff ormsby on the color commentary of the nola ogdc broadcast for look at that yes i am i i get to actually see and be in stadium and call a game on opening weekend so i'm pumped yeah Oh, that's really that's really cool. So if you if I do a shitty job, uh, don't say anything to me. Let him know. My ego, like absolutely, like, uh, like sour grapes. Terrible human being, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of the first match, four p.m. Yeah. on March second is Nola Gold. DC's coming down to the gold mine. Uh, yeah. That uh, uh, the next match, eight p.m. 
We got the Warriors move going down to Houston to play the Sabercats and then to round it off, which is probably going to be a, a match I'm going to have to watch the next day because uh, the start time is 10 p.m. We have yeah. Legion going all the way up to Starfire to play the Seattle Seawolves. Uh, that rounds out day one, day two, uh, similar kind of timing. Uh, we have the Chicago Hounds going down to Fort Lauderdale to play Miami. We have New England Free Jacks making the trip down to Charlotte to play Anthem. And then we have the Dallas Jackals heading to L.A. to play RFC L.A. Now, all of these matchups Bob, are in the current conferences. So it's all East Coast versus West, West Coast. No, uh, no, no, no change, no swap over in the first week. So, you know, let's talk, let's talk about the first match because it seems as though Nola gets the first match quite often. Yeah, well, let's, let me ask you this. What do you think of just generically the organization of this weekend schedule? No Friday games. There are a few Friday games, but the fact that they're running three games in a row distinctly, so conceivably you can watch as a fan if you're really super dedicated. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the, any of you guys are like that, but you can watch three games in a row on Saturday, three games in a row on Sunday, and not have to watch anything, you know, that, that's, that's, you know, post-broadcast. Well, I think in week one, it's very similar to our college football schedule we see as far as the timing, right? You know, games, they have a game kickoff at 12, they have a game kickoff at four, they have a game kickoff around eight. Um, similar timing, obviously, it could be stacked a little closer together. Um, what What I do like, is while you know I want to watch Seattle versus San Diego because we have TRN, we can watch it the replay, right? So I don't have to stay awake and you know be up all night, all hours of the night to watch it. And same thing if you're looking at Sunday with the RFC uh, LA versus Dallas. Now the only thing I would say when you're looking at the RFC versus Dallas, and and in comparison to Seattle versus San Diego, at least Seattle and San Diego are in the same uh, um, time zone. You know, Dallas is still two time zones away from LA. So really that game is 8 p.m. Eastern on a Sunday. A little tough. You know, a little tough for, for me to, to look at. And then you also have the Free Jackson Anthem starting at 7 p.m. on a Sunday. You know, that's rough. And and I come from the you know the the Rooney um every match on a Sunday, but all those matches were starting at you know one, two o'clock, you know, pushing three o'clock, depending on, you know the other schedule of things. So my question is as an opposing fan of, of let's, you know, as, as a fan of Dallas, you know, isn't that kind of a rough schedule for you? We um, I, mean? I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the only uh, timing wise, I don't know that it is. There's quite a few teams that'll play seven o'clock PM, which is actually what time it would be in Dallas, right? They're two hours behind in LA. So a nine o'clock start on Sunday night is actually a seven o'clock. Well, no, it's start. a it's a ten o'clock start on Sunday night. So an eight o'clock I, start in Sunday I, night in Dallas. Oh, I thought I saw it posted by the league that it was a nine o'clock start. Um, let me just double. Well, we're talk, because I'm talking East Coast, Rob. Cost, talking oh, East Coast time. But that's what I'm. That's what I'm. So my point is, is that for Dallas, it's only a, it's an actually a seven o'clock game. Well, no, it would be no, no, no. For da- if it's ten o'clock. Minus two, because you move over two things, it would be an 8 p.m. game for Dallas on a Sunday. Watch. Hold on. Hold on. Now, 
All right, I, I can find it, but I, I, I'll trust you. My point, my point being is, it still seems I, late for Dallas. Yeah, if it's an eight or a nine o'clock, actually, it's a nine o'clock start. Excuse me, it's a nine o'clock start for Dallas. No, eight o'clock. Wait, I'm fucking confused now. You, no, you confused me. <laughs> Seven. No, if we it's ten on the east up. coast, if it's ten in the east, if it's ten on the east coast, it's nine in Dallas because it's eight Rockies and seven west okay yeah i am so you're right i am seeing 9 p.m the i was right the first time you're just eastern fucking standard time eastern standard time yes you're right, in the same so that, time zone as dallas that's still a 7 p.m start for dallas let me let me no no no, no. it's a 7 p.m start in los angeles i'm saying if you're a dallas fan and you want to watch uh all right, all right. Hold on. Yeah, 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 yeah. So now you're starting the match at 9 p.m. on a Sunday to go till 11 p.m. in Dallas. Yeah, you're right. It does it does post 9 Central Standard when I look yeah. at the actual website. Right. It is rough. I, I think for me, the, the rough part, I don't care how you cut the cake. For me as a Dallas Jackal, it's hard to play late on a Sunday and then get back in your match schedule for the following week. You know what I'm saying? Like if it were a five o'clock Sunday game, it's not quite as bad because you might be able to get out in time to get home on late Sunday night, get yourself some rest on Monday and recover. But a lot of teams this year are actually Wednesdays the day off. Mm -hmm. Right. So you kind of have to, you have to shift that. If you're getting in, you probably, you might leave Sunday night after the game. You're probably not likely, probably leaving Monday. And so Monday is a travel day. And so it kind of shifts your total week schedule to where now teams are have a team in this situation is going to have to practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Interestingly, if you're looking at RFCLA schedule, home schedule, most of their home games start at 6 p.m. Eastern. So you're talking about three, uh, 3 p.m. start Pacific. So I would probably say that this week one start time at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific is a one-off due to scheduling of their new stadium. How much you want to bet there's some type of event or something going on? Well, there is an event. The LA 7s. Oh, yeah, that's right. Shit, there we go. Yeah, that's, that's why the, they're doing that. The double header. But again, you're, you're, you're fucking the MLR fans. <laughs> yeah, but I suppose the residual benefit of having a bunch of captive rugby fans already in stadium, already involved, buying tickets is worth the pay is worth the trade-off i i yeah I'm, i understand my point is i understand the they're in the stadium okay great right but again as a dallas fan you're gonna watch try and watch all the sevens no and it's stay up to try and watch your team it's it's a pain i'm just saying it i feel like that's a pain in the butt and while i understand what they're trying to do in stadium to build rfcla i feel like that's a dig it at dallas fans in the schedule listen the schedules are never going to be perfect rob but I don't know. To me, for week one, you have a team traveling, and then they have to play the next Sunday at 4 p.m. at home. You know, it's weird. It's, it's just, it seems weird to me, and I understand what they're trying to do. But, again, like, I think sometimes you have to not worry about that and, more, and worry about what's going on, you know, as far as player safety. You know, and hopefully this new, this, this new CBA they're going to work out speaks to that. But all right, so we we talked enough about Dallas and and, and L.A. Um, give us some give us some gold on Nola Gold and OGs because Nola Gold not making the playoffs last year. OGs uh, getting their first 
playoff win against New York, uh, coming up first against playoff tough... berth this this last season too. Um, yeah. it's an interesting no. matchup, but I... no, 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 Was no, it? no, they didn't make the playoffs before. This was their. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm thinking of. I'm game. thinking. Rooney played Atlanta in 2022. That's what it was. Yeah, so uh, I'm not going to tip too much of my hand. You'll have to watch the broadcast. But, um, you know, you've got two new coaches, brand new Mm -hmm. coaches this year um, for both uh, OG as well as uh, for the Nola Gold. Corey Brown coming in from the Nola Gold. And um, the OG's Josh Sims stepping away. And um, his name on the tip of my tongue. He's a Scotsman uh, coming in for OGDC. My apologies to everybody out there from OG. Um, I'm having an old man brain fart, but nonetheless. Um, so I guess I would say that's that'll be interesting. It's hard to get a bead on either one of these two teams, their style of play. What, Simon how might Cross, they play? The so th- thank you, Simon Cross. How they might play. Um, you, you got, you know, a number of, tur- you know, a number of members turnover in OGDC, you got some new blood in there and the NOLA gold have a few new players, uh, but they largely have a strong core. I think the big question is the nine ten combinations from each team. Um, mm-hmm. I think as the nine tens play in both of those teams, you see the team play it, I, I have it on word. Um, that we may not see Tusatala start this match. That you may see uh, oh, yeah. Connor Buckley start. Carly Connor Buckley's a, a spark plug. He, he got a line share of the minutes in the pregame match um, last weekend. But um, the nine ten combination: Jace, Jason Robertson coming back uh, from France to play uh, with OG, and then of course you had that nine ten combination um, with Rodney Iona being the key at number ten. It's a question whether Damian Stevens or uh, Luke Campbell. Um, or even Villani, but probably Stavian, uh, Stevens or Campbell uh, will be at the at the nine spot. So I, I think as those combinations go, that's how you're going to see this game go. Um, and and it's I think it's going to be there are a couple other key areas around the pitch that I'm looking for, but I'll talk about that on the broadcast uh, come uh, Saturday. Yeah, you know Connor Buckley obviously you know playing a lot of minutes for New York at uh, his time in New York. Playing under Andy Ellis, playing under um, um, oh my God, brother Connor, killing me. I'm seeing his face. Connor McManus. Connor McManus. You know, um, you know, coming off uh, being a um, you know, a, a collegiate all star at Iona. Um, you know, Scott Lawrence last year was giving him a look. Um, didn't invite him to camp. Um, you know, I'm sure he got some constructive criticism because that's what Scott likes to do. Um, to tell guys why he's not selecting them. He's actually he's pretty upfront with them. Um, so he's going to work on it. So it's interesting that they might be starting Connor Buckley um, over Danny Tusatala. Um, Danny has plenty of experience here. I do feel that Connor kicks a little better. So depending on their game plan, maybe they're looking to do some kicking and counter kicking. And you have the, the guy with the better foot, in my opinion, at that nine spot right there. So uh, the next game, uh, is actually the week the uh, Fox Sports game of the week on FS2. Uh, Utah going down to play uh, the SaberCats, and you talk about you know nine ten combinations. Uh, most likely, Carlo Denison obviously is probably going to start with the nine, and AJ Alatimu start at the ten. And and Alatimu, you know, with his time at the uh, Sea Wolves in twenty twenty two and and twenty twenty three was just amazing. So I really feel like the SaberCats. Um, are going to look really good. And we see, we have another sighting of the missile, Derby Missile Agalu back in the league uh, on the wings there. 
for Houston, uh, along with Christian Dry, uh, Dyer and uh, Jerry Levershane. Um, you know, so so we're we're seeing a a, a, a SaberCats team that I think has kind of reasserted itself. Um, Marno Regling Heights over in the back row, uh, Johan Momsen moving over, CC Mahoney there again. Um, you know, I think you know you're going to see, especially in the pack, a lot of that obviously South African influence. Um, they're 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 unfortunately for Utah, and this is just historic. This isn't talking shit. They don't do well on the road. You know, it's it's just tough, um, especially when they're going to play tough teams up front. They don't do well on the road. So I, I really um really skeptical about what they're gonna do. Uh Robbie Povey moving to, to Utah there for the 10. Um, you know, Paul Lasky still there in the centers, uh Mika Cruze. I mean, they have a really good set of of backs and they have a decent set of 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 pack guys, you know, obviously Paul Mullen's still there. Um you know, this is this this would be a tough one. I think if Utah can punch them in the mouth in the first ten minutes and show show me something, I think they'll have a better result. But I gotta go historically that Utah's gonna start off slow, right, Rob? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think typically they do, and don't forget these two teams battled it out right at the end of the season last year for that final playoff spot. It came down to the wire and. Uh, I think it was just uh, the last match was a determining factor between um, Utah being left out in the cold of the playoff hunt and Houston getting in. Um, I will say that Joel Hodgson, the 10 from Utah, uh, I really like how he plays the game. I think he really commands and directs those backs really well. Super creative. There's a lot of dynamic play uh, with him at the helm. So, uh, you know, if he can unleash some of those some of those talented backliners like Cruze, um, you know, I'm thinking of him. I'm thinking of guys like, uh, you know, Power of Lusike, uh, Tomasi Tonga, um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. let's see um, who else is in there that, that I can think of. Uh, let's see. And yeah. And, and um, you know, Spencer Jones, they can be dangerous. And we've always seen those flashes, but it's a question of which Utah team's going to show up and show out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And again, you know, historically, slow starters don't do well on the road. So let's see if they can get over that hump. Um, if, the other if, thing is, yep, go for it. I was going to say one interesting thing is, is that, you know, um, like I said, uh, Hodgson is super dynamic and he's a really good tactical kicker. I'll be interested to see how he uses his, his tactical kicking boot throughout the game. Cause with, with Labashagni, you know, on one wing, I think Labashagni six, four, six, five, it really, you know, putting the ball up in the air to him is, is a dangerous proposition because, you know, he can go up and fetch it. You know, he's got pace, you know, he can get around the pitch uh, and, and find soft shoulders. But so look to see what, what Hodgson does with that tactical kicking skill set. Absolutely. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. What I was going to say is we're going to see if I'm proved right here. Um, when we did our, um, fitness episode, you know, I did say one of the biggest disappointments would have been the Sabercats home Jersey because the pattern doesn't look good. And so far as we've seen the social media, the big guy seems to be right. Um, if they're going with the, I believe their yellow was the home, um, 
it, it's it's going to be a tough one. Well, I'm pretty sure yellow was the home, but the black ones look great, but the yellow, I don't know, it might might not be good. So then to round off the day, um, back to TRN at 10 p.m. Eastern, we have uh, Legion going down, going up to uh, Starfire, and you talk about tactical kicking. Um, check out the fullbacks for uh, Legion this year. We have Alex Warren, Chris Matina, Mikey Teo. Chris Matina is that tactical kicker. Um, you have Alex Horn and my Alex Horn who can also kick, and Mikey Teo, we know, is just gonna, you know, run it back. Um, but I, I really like the fullbacks because you could really change the game if you wanted to um to to suit what's going on when you take somebody off the field. You know, if you want to take somebody off the field and say, let's do some some kick now with Matina, let's run it back with Mikey Teo. I think that's interesting. Um, you know, Ryan James the wing. Obviously, you know, your nine ten most likely going to be Nick Boyer and Macato. Um, your centers that take I'm with Marcel Baraki and Mahananu. Come on, dude. Like those are crazy centers. Um, you know, my buddy Charlie Hewitt, um, obviously a lock over there. He's another guy who's gonna get a look um for the USA soon. Um, you know, uh, big up front, big guys up front. Hugh Roach moving over from Chicago over there. Um, you know, I think uh, Legion is is a stacked team, Rob. It's, they're just they're stacked, man. They are stacked, but I I will say that uh, Clarky has the Seattle SeaWolves prepared all the time. He's super detail oriented. He is hyper focused on making sure the lads know what style of game they want to play. And quite frankly, you know, he has core leadership that's been with that team for almost five five or six seasons, you know, Reichard Hatting, of course. And then you have JP Smith who always produces fastball is always a threat with uh, a snipe or two and who really knows how to marshal those forwards around the pitch. Uh, so Seattle is going to be a tough, tough matchup um, in this one, especially because they will have the 16th man at Starfire playing at home. It's a tough place to play. It's a small venue. The crowd is always into it. And I know Matt Cartwright, our good friend of the rugby rant, um, and Levon, uh, they'll have the crowd fired up and ready to go. Yeah. I think I think that San Diego is going to be in for a dogfight. I think so too. I mean, uh, there's some concerns though for Seawolves going forward. You know, Mason Peterson has a season-ending injury, right? That's tough. Mm-hmm. That's 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 a tough that way. You know, a tight head, your tight head goes down. He's done. The season hasn't started. And then they had you know Devin Short. And Nakai Penny were supposed to be on the roster, and they've fallen off. And, and granted, um, they've taken a young guy in Reed Davis. He's a Canadian uh, under twenty, and then they've signed Tara Pryor, you know, who's been in the MLR now for for quite a long time. And you also have, um, you know, Hago uh, uh, Heine over there, who's played with Tara Pryor now for three years. So I think that's a natural uh, uh, pack uh, selection for them. Um, but again, you know, you lose your tight head at the beginning of the season. It's going to be tough, especially with the the monsters of of the legion there, dude. So I do think the sixteen man comes out. Obviously, they're going to show out and do their thing. Um, and just talk about real quick, um, fans. You know, um, our buddy Matt made sure that um, Marcus and Sean can bring all their gear and not have an issue with security because in this day and age, guys bringing swords and weapons into a stadium could be an issue. But obviously, you know, one of the things we, we try and do here is make sure that the fans can come and, and rep and make sure the cohort can do what they need to do, even in a way stadium. So it's good to see that. So the next uh, the next game we have is uh, uh, Hounds going down to Miami. 
the new look Miami Sharks playing a, a decent Hounds team. Uh, you got two ironworkers going after each other in, in, uh, in Dylan Fawcett and versus uh, Benja Bonasso. Um, Benja is really first time he's been in action since like week two, week three of the MLR. He got injured in last season and, and you know, couldn't really do anything, Rob. What do you have to say about uh, our new team in the, in the Chicago Hounds there? Well, Look, I, I went to a, a training last week and watched for that hour and a half. Uh, and the guys are chomping at the bit. The boys are ready. And I, I tell you what, there is one hell of a squad here in Chicago. They have massively improved the roster. They've turned over 60% of their roster. And the guys that they've kept are core guys. Um, you know, so you're talking about the likes of Charlie Abel, Patty Ryan, Lerome White, but then they bring in and Fred Apolu, but then they bring in a guy like Zerubi Giovania. Um, they bring in, of course, Dylan Fawcett. They bring in, um, you know, Giannis Venter. Um, so, and then they, and then locks George Merrick coming from the Prem at second row. Of course, our guy, big friend of the show, Brad Tucker talks. Uh, coming to that lock position. And then they've got a host of back row guys, uh, guys that can really fetch that ball. Um, so you're looking at guys like R- Lucas Rumball, of course, Mason Fletch, both uh, from Toronto coming in. They've got a bunch of guys that brought over from Ireland, Connell Bomer, um, and and Ben Landry should help in the engine house right here from Wisconsin. Uh, and, of course, my boy, Tanashe Machena, uh, getting a lot of looks at the end of the season. And then, you know, you've got a 9-10 combination that has started for probably, what, eight matches mm-hmm. for the USA in Nick McCarthy and Luke Carty. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, and then you got Bryce Campbell also, you know, getting a lot of minutes, uh, you know, in some of the inter- – in, in probably half the internationals uh, that had transpired over the last uh, 12 months, um, along with a guy like Billy Meeks, Mark O'Keefe. Um, who's you know going to be I think international el- or sorry domestic eligible very yes. shortly. Um, yes. So you know the the Hounds are going to be a team that you know don't sleep on them. They're going to be yeah. really really good. Uh, I know, but I think that that nine ten for for the Sharks is going to be good. Cabelli and Echeverry, you know, oh, for you sure. have your your South American influence there. You know, your boy, you know, your boy Connor Burns at center. Yeah. Everybody's watching that is going to watch that San Diego and and Seattle match. People are going to put a priority in that, but I think I think this might just be a better match to watch if you had if you had to choose between the two because uh, you had limited time this weekend. I think one of the other things for the the Sharks is they have really two young props in Alec McDonald and Jonas Petrakopoulos, both friends of mine. Um, I like yeah. to see that they're both on the roster together. Um, I think that'll push. Uh, some looks um, for them in, in other teams. You know, Jonas obviously not eligible for uh, for USA, but Alec is. Um, and, you know, we're going to need some prop cover soon. You know, our props are getting up there in age. Um, Sean McNulty at Hooker, probably going to start there. Um, as we talked about, Benjamin Asso, uh, Dan Pryor, Kara's brother, um, you know, in the back row. So, I mean, they 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 have a pretty decent act, even though it's a young front row. Um, you know, I, I think... I do think the Hounds take this one, but I don't think it's going to be as easy as they think. And also, let's be honest, it could be one of those weekends where it's unused seasonably warm and the Hounds have you know, a fitness issue because they haven't been able to practice in, in that type of environment. We've seen it before. We've seen teams from the Northeast have to go south. It's unseasonably warm and they can't take it sometimes. You know, It's just the way it is. 
Um, next one, Anthem RFC. Got the the defending champs, the New England Free Jacks coming down to Anthem. Um, you know, Anthem is going to be a good look, but we'll we'll talk real quick about uh, about um, you know the Free Jacks. Obviously, you know Kyle Sakara, uh, Caleb Geiger, Foster Dewitt in there. You know for for hookers uh, for props, Mason Koch, Andrew Quatrin for hookers. You know so their front rows looking good. Kyle Bailey, Josh Larson, Jackson Thebes, Connor Keys. I mean, just all star locks. And we we I talked about locks before, and sometimes we have issues where you run out of them. But you know you have four pretty much all star locks going in there. Um, Wayne Conradi. Cam Dave uh, Davidowitz, uh, shout out to his dad. He's a good dude. Uh, like to jab him a little bit. He's a fun dude, though. Um, again, nine ten, right? Probably gonna go. I don't know. They have uh, New England has really good scrum halves. I feel like Holden Younger doesn't get the playing time he deserves. I'd agree with that. If you agree, um, yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, he was. He was uh, rostered in the final, but I think I don't know if he even he might have gotten a minute or two in that final. John Poland got uh, a line share of the minutes, which, by the way, is dangerous over the long term. If you, God forbid, have an injury uh, and you haven't given uh, your other your other you know scrum halves an opportunity to get some touches on the ball, uh, it can be kind of dangerous. Uh, speaking of scrum half, shout out to uh, Will Chevalier. Okay, I've known that kid since he was in the fourth grade. And I love to see that he made a roster and that he's uh, he's out there with the uh, with last year's champs. Um, I think I mean, you know, Jason Petras, Petras is going to be the ten. We know that. Yeah, Patros will be the ten, of course. Um, not a bad option, Reese McDonald, if you have to go with it. I think the centers is the key to look at in this particular match mm-hmm. because you got Ben Lesage and Larum. I don't know what Larum Milan's uh, status is like. I know he got injured um, last Late year. Late season, right? Yeah, late in the season. So I don't know if he's returned to action or not. Um, but uh, you know, watch out for them if he if or watch out if you know you're the anthem for Lou Rumelon. He was I he was one of I would have probably selected him as my MLR one of my two MLR centers from last mm-hmm. season. Absolutely. He 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 really did well up until that injury. And we're just gonna assume Bowden Walk is gonna show up at some point, like right before the playoffs. <laughs> after, you know, so just be on the lookout for them. Unfortunately, I think this is one of those, uh, you know, what do they call it in tennis, a service match. Um, yeah. You know, Anthem, unfortunately, I think doesn't have the firepower to go up uh, really toe-to-toe with uh, the former champions. Although my buddy Joe Basser is 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 over there at the back row. He's another guy, um, you know, born in, in, um, born in New York, raised in uh, Australia. Um, eligible for to be an eagle he's a young guy um you know again back row guy you're looking at if you're looking at our back row you're looking you know benja Bonasso, obviously young guy right but you know cam dolan getting up there a bunch of the other guys getting up there greg peterson you know like look at those guys you have and and say what happens what, what what's what, who's the next man up? And I truly feel like Joe Basser is is that guy, and and Scott uh, Lawrence should be taking a look at him. Um, yeah. Sean Yakubian, you know, uh, part of the uh, scrum halves there. Shane Barry, uh, um, Clive Lobus are there too, uh, part of the fly halves. I mean, so you're gonna see guys that are on those Hawks teams that we talked about and things like that. Um, again, I think it's gonna be a tough one. 
So I, I, I want, I'll be interested to see how the wing play goes. You got a couple mm-hmm. of LU products, uh, Linwood products, uh, Tyron Algibori, Kale Hodgson coming over there. And then, you know, David still has been part of the sevens program. So, you know, he has seen some international action and brings that experience. And then of course, Caleb Strum, who was with Chicago last year, just has, you know, he might be one of the fastest players in the league, you know, it just, you know, from point to point, um, it'll be interesting to see how his growth goes uh, over the last season from last year to this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to move on to the last match uh, that we talked about before. Let's, we'll just talk about, you know, some of the rosters. So you have, um, so you have uh, Dallas going over to LA, um, you know, just looking at the rosters. Um, I'm really liking the back row there. Jason Dam, Matt Heaton there for LA. Um, and Holland's had it coming coming in. I think, you know, in my opinion, you know, he had a lot of play in uh I believe he was in Japan last year. I'm trying to remember. no, he was in D two. He was in France last year, D two. Um, you know, Jason Emery gonna start at center, definitely. Um, Andrew Call, Will Leonard on the wings. I mean, you're talking about probably two top five MLR wings there. Um, so I think your wing center by half combo is gonna do some damage. Um, you know, and that just, that's not knocking a Dallas team because I think Dallas is doing is going to do actually well, um, even though they have to travel. Um, but I do feel like there's something about having the juice. It's your first, the first week of the MLR, first home match in front of your fans. You have the juice from the sevens tournament, you know. So like, I think LA is going to squeak one out on this, Rob. But I, I do see Dallas being way better than they were last year. Yeah, I think they'll have a much improved roster. They've had another year to to have their current coaching staff uh, stuck in and some of their players, you know, in and around camp a little earlier. Um, I'm interested to see how Jordan Chait um, comes. He, he came over from Seattle, was in Seattle last year. He's bringing his wares down to L.A., uh, the young man, Antisab, who is a draftee from last year. I, I You know, I'm not saying he'll get uh, a lot of minutes early on, but it'll I will be watching his growth. It's one thing that in the United States we need to do a better job is developing American center, uh, American fly halves. So if we could, you know, again, it'd be interesting to see him grow, but I know that Chait and Hollinshead will kind of play much more of a featured role for that LA side. Um, but I, I'll be interested to see how Dallas, Dallas does in this match, see if they can get their, you know, a, a solid win early on and develop some, continuity develop uh get that ball rolling so to speak into the start of the season because once you get that first one uh it's it's not quite as hard to get that second and third one uh going throughout the season yep absolutely and and this is kind of a long uh a little bit of a long episode but real quick um the mlr just uh dropped the postseason format they're going with this year so it's broken up between the conferences so again the eastern conferences anthem hounds ogdc sharks free jackson nola Western Conference is the Jackals, the Warriors, the Seahawks, the, the uh, Sabercats, uh, RFCLA, and Legion. And it's broken up the top four teams in each conference are going to go to the playoffs. The one seed plays the four, the two seed plays the three. In both of those conferences, there is no bye week. And then between those winners, uh, they play each other. The winners of the one, four, and two, and three play each other. And then obviously that winner is the conference uh, champion. And then they go on to play in the MLR championship on August fourth rob so, real quick yeah what do you have for the format i i well i like the format 
um, you know, it's, it kind of, you kind of feel like everybody wins a trophy because out of the conferences, uh, six teams in each conference, that is only two are locked out from the playoffs, but, um, on a fan side, you got to love it in the sense that you have a really good chance of seeing your team at least get into the playoffs and getting one more game in there. Um, and certainly if you're one of the top teams, one of the top two teams, you benefit at very least from one extra playoff, um, home match, you know, in the playoffs. I like that component of it. One of the things I was going to ask your thoughts on, but I'll throw mine out there. And then uh, I'm interested to hear what you think of, you know, when we watch the NFL, one of the questions that inevitably always comes up when you talk about postseason and you talk about bye weeks is that team that gets the bye week, you know, are they going to be rusty in that first playoff match? And would you rather be that team that has a bye week and can rest up? Or would you rather that team have, uh, you know, have that first round playoff, have a bit of momentum, get some continuity and, 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 um, you know, and, and, you know, momentum going into that, uh, you know, that all important uh, semifinal. Um, so that's my question to you. What are your thoughts on that? I, I, I kind of like the idea. It takes all that out of there just by saying those four, every one of the four teams plays in the first round, winners play in the second round and, and et cetera. I understand that thinking, but I also feel like in this league with, with these teams in this sport, I would prefer to have a bye week if I was the number one. If, if I was doing the format, I'd do top three teams that have the bye week. Reason being is, you know, game of attrition. You might need that extra week. Sometimes you need that extra week to kind of lick your wounds and, and get patched up of, from all the nicks and stuff. And a good teams can keep their momentum through that week, you know, and, and that lack of play to, to get rested up. And, you know, you have guys who are nicked up and they're worried about this and they're worried about that and their hammy's a little tight. And those extra those extra seven days could really help you. You know, it depends on it, it depends on the team. You know, sometimes the team has to be about the flow. But I truly believe if you work that hard to get the number one, there should be some incentive. Now think about this from a fan perspective. And again, throwing this back at you, I kind of leaned on this a little bit in my comments is as a fan of, let's say, the the top team in the conference, you technically only get one playoff game, right? Potentially, if you're, let's see, two, three, or four, and let's say you're the four seed, and you you win that first round, no, you don't have a home match, but you won't have a, a an, an away, sorry, you won't have a home match at all because you'll be probably matched up against the what the three seed but you think they're going to oh, a two or three that? so no they won't reseed they shouldn't reseed it what what should ha- it should just be whoever's the highest seed gets that home match right so right if if, so, if you're the four seed you'll never have a home match unless correct. unless unless you're in the championship and that's where the neutral site is in, in that year right right and and i don't know i kind of i, I kind of think it's a rather interesting concept where you i mean your two seed could actually conceivably you know, if some magic happens and four beats a one, you could have two, mm-hmm. you know, two home matches in the playoffs, which is kind of cool. You know, um, on the flip side, your four seed might, you know, might never have a home match, even if they play well in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they would never have a, four, a home match until, you know, again, if they made the championship right. in some right. initial site. So, right. but again, I just, I have, I, I don't think, and maybe that's what the teams wanted this year to get that extra revenue for that number one seed. But in my opinion, I think number one should get to buy and it should be the top three. Anyway, guys, we have one 
last announcement. We're doing a new segment, and we're gonna we're gonna do it at the beginning of the episodes uh, upcoming. But we're gonna give our super brew. What do we call it? The Rugby Rants Lock of the Week, presented by Rugby Now, powering MLR Shop. So, Rob, what is your lock of the week this week? Well, I. This one for me was a no-brainer. I, I wanted and felt compelled to pick something else because I'm pretty sure I know which one you're going to pick, and I wanted to pick mm-hmm. something different just you know to to create some variety. But I, it's it's hard not to. I, I got to go with uh, the Free Jacks over the Anthem. You know, it just I saw how difficult it was for the Hounds to build a roster last year and get some depth and get get some continuity uh, coming into the season, and they had started that process in in October. Here we didn't see the anthem kind of get uh, the ball rolling until December. And and then you're up against the last year's champs who, you know, have some have a team playing on the ARP, or at least some of their players are able to get, you know, cut their wares in the ARP in the fall. Some guys are sticking around in country. Um, and and you know, they've they've got a set system down. It's gonna be hard to beat week one. Gotcha. So my lock of the week is actually RFCLA. Again, I'm a big guy. Oh. Juice. I'm a big guy. You changed, you changed it up. You, you, went, you didn't go where I thought you would go. Yep. I think uh, it's going to be tough for Dallas to travel. Again, it's a late match. Um, you know, we talked about LA and and their their backs there. Again, a lot of them, my friends. Uh, the, you know, Dan Hollinshead at 10, Jason Emery in the centers, uh, Cohen and Leonard in the wings. Or even involved at, at 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 fullback, I just think they they're going to have a high flying team, and because of these guys have played in the MLR before, and some of them have played with each other or for the same organizations, I think you're going now in the MLR. You got a lot of minutes. Stage. Yeah, yeah, plenty of minutes, and I think what you're going to see now is as guys change teams, there's not going to be that clunky. Oh, we have to find a way to play together. You know, because it's, 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 you're not adding as many new guys. You have a lot of older guys in the league shifting to places, you know, and understand how the teams play because they've played against them. I'm actually, I, I think they win by three. I'm doing minus three LA because I do think, you know, things can go wrong. It's their first match and stuff like that. Well, you're um, doing a line on yours, huh? You're giving some. Yeah, I always, I always got to do the line, baby. Let's get okay. hot. Let's move on. I'm going to go 19. I'm going to go free jacks by 19. I'm like, I have 15 and I think, I feel that's conservative, but you know, I, I, again, first, first match of the season, you never know. There could be handling errors and things like that. what did you think? I was going to go uh hounds over sharks or no, no, I thought you'd go with free jacks. Um, oh. but, but maybe I underthunk it. Yeah. I mean, no, I just, I, I thought know, that was the obvious answer. Free jacks just cause you don't like them. No, I thought that was the obvious answer. Yeah. Um, I thought you were going to pick it. So I didn't want to, I, I truly feel that LA is gonna is gonna do some damage this year, um, even though they're in a stack conference. But anyway, guys, again, join the Super Brew. Yep. yep. I want to mention that. I was gonna say, you, you know, you can talk about Super Brew, but but before we do that, you know, shop MLR powered by you know rugby now. Um jerseys are starting to come in. Uh I got I got my jersey when I went to the practice the other day, but I've got the Kappa kit here. Uh, I normally in the Paladin wear a double XL. Okay. Uh, this is a triple. So they fit a little narrower in the shoulders. Um, so I went with a triple. It fits pretty nice. Uh, sleeves are a little loose. It's not the tight sleeve like we saw from the Paladin. So just be aware of that. 
But other than that, um, you know, I'd, I'd probably size up folks. Sounds good. You know, we, we kind of knew that was going to happen with that European fit. Yeah. But be aware when you're purchasing the merch, we always like to tell you what's going on. Um, but guys, um, you know, make sure you guys are signing up for the, um, the Subaru yeah. Contest knows afar. N-O-S-E-A-F-A-R is the uh, password there. Check out Rugby Rant Podcast. Join our league and you have a chance to win some money. I'm the big guy, Scott Ferrara. That's Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt, baby. Week one, the MLR is upon us. Can't wait. And not friggin' wait. We will see you guys at the next.